0: Judgment the Michelle Obama podcast is out now on Spotify. This series brings listeners inside the former first lady's most candid and personal conversations, showing us what's possible when we allow ourselves to be vulnerable, to open up and focus on what matters most. Joining the former first lady is an array of special guests, including Marion and Craig Robinson, Conan O'Brien, Valerie Jarrett, Michelle Norris and Dr. Sharon Malone episodes focus on relationships that shape us from siblings and close friends to partners parents and mentors to our relationship with ourselves and our health listen free at spotify.com slash Michelle Obama Out here with lives. Everybody knows Chip. That's the California Highway Patrol. The people that spy on you from their helicopters, they pull you over, they give you tickets. No one is ever happy to see them. Never. No one ever. Except of course, when they are. Strap in. Suki Lewis takes us up in a Chip Chopper. Snap Judgment. (laughs) So grab both of those.
1: Uh, the, the yeah. art, not part.
2: I climb in the back of a four-seater helicopter, right behind pilot Pete Gavitt. Could, uh... Hi Pete, I'm Suki. Suki, hi.
3: Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you.
2: He and his flight partner, Whitney Lowe, work air ops for the California Highway Patrol. Before we take off, they show me how to click into the helicopter's seatbelt and give me the safety briefing in case something happens okay. while we're in the air.
1: There's a fire extinguisher right here. Um, this
2: Pete's worked for the on, CHP down. for 18 years. Before that, he was an emergency medical technician. And before that, he was in the Army.
4: All right, generator. Generator's on. Off. Systems engine.
2: We're taking off from a small airport in California's Napa Valley. Out the left side window, I can see water and marshlands, an arm of the San Francisco Bay. In front of us, a ridgeline of mountains.
4: This is the exact helicopter we were in.
2: He's talking about the night of October 8th. Pete and Whitney were working the graveyard shift when they hear another CHP pilot, Jan Sears, make a call over the radio just before 10 at night. He's flying his small fixed-wing plane back to their base at the Napa airport.
1: When they first saw the flickering way up there,
2: The pilot, Jan, thinks it might be a wedding party at one of the large mansions dotted through the hills, but decides to go check it out. As he gets closer, the light gets bigger and bigger.
1: That's when they realized it was a fire.
2: The pilot describes what he's seeing to firefighters on the ground. It's 10 to 20 acres, rapid rate of spread along Atlas Peak, a mountain community with only one way in and one way out where hundreds of people are just getting ready for bed.
1: We heard I put that out over the fire channel, one of the radios, and that's when we started coming up here.
2: What was your first sight of the fire?
1: I had night vision goggles on. I uh, just said, holy cow, looked like a nuke had gone off, you know, on the mountains up here. Huge smoke plume, huge orange glow.
2: Within minutes, they're hovering in the air above the fire, trying to wake people up.
1: night sun into people's homes, just trying to get up to wake up and get out and start moving.
2: When they hear calls like this coming over the radio.
4: Entire route in, engulfed Copy unit to 2320 Atlas peak Road for parents trapped in a garage. Additional trapped in. Project, I got a
1: report of an uh, elderly couple uh, in the house trapped. <laughs>
2: They hear people trapped in their garages, people jumping into water tanks and swimming pools to survive. But the fire is so intense, 100-foot flames, Pete says they just can't get close enough to rescue them.
1: And hearing reports of, you know, four parties, six parties the family trapped at this address, and, you know, we're getting beat up by the wind and raging fires right next to us, and then we think, Man, that's, there's no way we can get there. That's just already in the burn, or it's right next to the burn. And
2: Then they see a long line of cars just stopped.
1: It, it's really, I mean, it's kind of hard to describe, but it was just a landscape of flame that was advancing down the hill, and it was just a jagged line.
2: The only escape route from this advancing line of fire is blocked by downed trees and power lines.
4: That was the first moment where it was where we knew, hey, this is somewhere we can make an immediate difference. There's a field, going to land.
2: Minutes after they set the helicopter down in a field, a man comes barreling toward them in a truck.
1: Um, I thought he was going to ram the helicopter. He came in so fast with his truck, and I was just screaming at him, trying to wave out the window here, stop, 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 and he grabbed his son and was really just cradling his son like this. And He ran up just saying, Take my son, take my son, take my son.
2: The man's name is Pepe Tamayo. His whole family is with him his eight year old son, Jesse, his wife, Graciela, and his elderly in laws. But Pete and Whitney don't have room for all of them.
4: I left the decision of who was going to go up to him and his family. And without hesitation, he put his family first. We took it, you know, so we took his son, his wife, and his uh, in-laws, and he stayed behind.
2: As the helicopter takes off, Pepe's wife, Graciela, holds her boy close. She's so scared, she doesn't look out the windows.
3: I was holding him, like, and at the same time, like, crying and praying for for him. He said, don't worry, if my dad doesn't make it, I'm going to take care of you. I just was telling the, one of the pilots, please go back, please go back and save my husband and the other people who's trapped up there.
2: Pete and Whitney don't ever make an explicit decision to keep flying to go back towards the fire. They just look at each other as if to say, "I guess we're doing this," and head back up the peak. They land in the same field, no Pepe, but now there is a whole crowd of people waiting for the helicopter.
4: People were panicked, though Suki. They had no idea where to go. They could they could see the glow of the fire coming, you know, across the hill, but they didn't know how bad it was going to be. Coming in one of those last times we
1: landed, the wind was pretty much coming off off of our nose like this, and we would dogleg in, come in this direction, turn right to align ourselves with the road to land and. And we were just hanging there in the air, wouldn't even comment, you know, are we going down there? I kind of shrugged my shoulders and said, well, I'm trying, but we're not descending at all. The wind was so strong that it was just holding us up there like a kite.
2: Those gusts holding the helicopter like a kite were 80 miles an hour, hurricane-force winds that slam Pete's head against the roof of the aircraft.
1: Like just a hammer hitting the side of the aircraft, hitting it sideways. Bam, you know down drafts and updrafts and pitching the aircraft sideways.
2: Finally, on their third trip back up, Whitney sees someone. It's the white truck from earlier. Pepe comes running back towards them.
4: And he actually had driven up to this reservoir here, the Millican Reservoir, and was going to stand in the water. Didn't know how to swim. Fire, yeah, he didn't know how to swim. He was just going to get in the water and and wait, and as you can see, it's completely burned all the way around the reservoir.
2: But when he hears the helicopter returning, he rushes back to the landing site.
4: I grabbed him by his shirt and dragged him to the helicopter to get him back with his family.
2: As they fly Pepe off the mountain, they look back, and that landing site is surrounded by flames.
4: And then that was our last trip out of there. Out of that particular landing zone? Right.
2: But the pilots don't stop, even to see Pepe reunited with his family. They just head back up the mountain looking for people who are still trapped. And also be advised, we have people at Stagecoach Winery that are trapped that will need to be out by air. They fly all night long, trip after trip, rescuing farm workers in a vineyard who alert them with flashlights. In all, Pete and Whitney pulled 26 people and two dogs off of Atlas Peak.
3: We, we came in here and, uh, you know, sat in our chairs and were trying to recover. You know, I just, I felt, <clears throat> I just felt sick for a few days. Like, you know, there was all those entrapments that we were trying to get to and couldn't. Um, I kept scanning the news, you know, waiting to hear uh, how many people were hurt or killed up there.
2: Six people died in the Atlas Peak fire that night, and hundreds of people lost their homes, including Pepe.
0: To me, it looked like somebody threw a bomb and it cleared the whole hill with houses and everything. If it wasn't from the helicopter, I don't, I don't know if I'd be talking to you right now. If it wasn't from those guys, to be honest.
2: But Pete says to him, Pepe is the real hero.
3: You know, we didn't really know if he was perhaps saying his last goodbye or, or not. Um... I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was so uh, stressful
3: flying anyways, but... <clears throat> anyways.
2: Can I ask, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt your feeling or anything like that, but, like, you've had years in EMS, you have years <laughs> on the CHP, you have years of dealing with really difficult heavy life-threatening situations what what about this feels different
3: that's a great question i've asked myself that repeatedly uh since that night um and i i don't have i don't have an answer i don't know i've but i think just that image that i'll try and talk about without tearing up again <laughs> That image of him running up saying, take my son, take my son, I think I would make that same decision, but I hope I never have to. And, but, you know, that young man knows that his dad loves him enough to make that kind of decision. He did make that decision to see that protection and, and the reality of that, you know, and in a career where you see a lot of shit, you know, uh, I think that's why it just <laughs> kind of gets you, gets me right, right here.
0: Special thanks to Pete Gavitt and Whitney Lowe of the California Highway Patrol for sharing their story at the SNAP. The Atlas Peak Fire was just one of a series of catastrophic fires that broke out that night across Northern California. 44 people in all died in the tragedy. Suki Lewis covered the blaze as an investigative reporter for KQED Public Radio out of San Francisco. and We'll have a link to KQED's fire investigation at snapjudgment.org. Original music for that piece was by Davey Kim. The story was produced by Suki Lewis. Get more snap where you got this one. And know this, if you haven't heard the news, let me tell you the news right now. Right this moment, we are hard at work on the second season of the Spooked Podcast. Every single episode, all new. And if you have a story about your real life encounter with the supernatural, not the ghost in the bathroom that your cousin saw. The real stuff. we want to hear about your encounter with forces from the other side. Gonna happen over time, how it changes. Snappers. If you have a story like that, let us know. Spooked at Snapjudgment.org. And even though this is not the news, no way, it's just the news. In fact, you could do the hokey pokey, but refuse to turn yourself around, and you would still not be as far away from the news as this is. But this is W N Y C.